0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. And a big how-do to everyone listening to this transmission on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And howdy to those of you listening to us on the Conspiracy Show app. And, of course, those of you streaming us live on our YouTube channel. Please enjoy, stay a while, but be sure to hit that red sub button. And a hi, of course, to everyone in the live YouTube chat. Uh, You're so faithful and loyal. You join us every week. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Captain Randy Kramer. ...is standing by to discuss the Secret Space Program, among other things. And we'll take questions and comments as well. We'll open up the phone lines. Just a reminder that my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Conspiracy Unlimited. Uh, So if you don't get your fill of uh, the conspiracy show on Sunday nights, just keep in mind... Three episodes of Conspiracy Unlimited, where I cover pretty much the same material. And again, those new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can listen and subscribe at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. All right. As I say, Captain Randy Kramer stays with us for hour two. He's a whistleblower from the secret space program who has experience with time travel, teleportation, technology uh, solutions, and his contact with aliens, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals. And uh, the captain is also privy to psionic research, which provides a miracle cure that can cure everything, even regenerate limbs and he's an officer who has been given authority to address the public on behalf of the command staff of the United States Marine Corps Special Section which was created by President Eisenhower back in 1953 as a covert military intelligence branch with specific authority over ETs multidimensionals non-humans and off-world beings consortiums and collectives i should also point out uh, that he will be speaking uh, at Stargate to the Cosmos Expo 2018 at uh, the Ramada Inn, Albuquerque, uh, Midtown Albuquerque, October 25th to the 28th. Uh, we were talking about the, um, uh, your work on Mars as the part of this, uh, Mars Defense Force. So you're battling the, the, I guess the indigenous species there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them. Two of them. Now, are they the same species responsible for, uh, a lot of these highly advanced structures that were that were discovered on mars
1: i would say the ancestors of the reptoids were probably the ones who are mostly responsible for that however there is also an indigenous humanoid species that does live there i never personally experienced them or ran into them they weren't in the zone that we were as far north as we were but i have talked to people who have seen and uh experienced the native uh humanoid species as well so the Pretty much most of those ancient structures were either built by the indigenous reptoids or indigenous humanoids who lived there, but a long, long time ago. So anyone contemporary who lives there now would have been their long-lost ancestors.
0: And uh, what are the numbers in terms of personnel on on the Red Planet right now?
1: That's hard to say. Um, A few years back, there was a census that was actually happening with the colonies, uh, and they were figuring that the I mean I can't tell you what the exact military uh, personnel numbers are those are classified which means I don't even have them in front of me because they're classified um, but it's you know at least uh at least a couple hundred thousand military personnel but I couldn't say for sure but there's was when we were had completed the census uh had a number that was right around 10 million for the population of the colonies but and not long after that, there was a worker revolt because they tend to have a number of the colonies still use a lot of slave labor. And as we understand from human history, you enslave people and, you know, put too much weight on their backs over too long of a period of time. And eventually there's a slave revolt at some point or a worker revolt. So uh, they've been in the middle of that the last few years. And so we don't have exact numbers right now. A lot of people have died. But we couldn't tell you for sure, but it was about 10 million civilians. And anywhere from you know 150 to 250, maybe 300,000 military personnel.
0: Who is being enslaved? Is uh, it the,
1: the workers? No, uh, hum- human beings, mostly human beings from here, mostly the uh, people terrestrial humans who were taken away as slave labor for the most part, and in some cases people who have been there. I mean, have been born and raised there for generations since you know their slave parents, worker parents, were brought there. So. In some cases, you have multiple generations of people who have been born and raised in that environment. But the original workers were pretty much taken from here, in some cases voluntarily. In some cases, it was, hey, you want to be a part of our really cool program? Yeah, that'd be great. But then, you know, when you got there, it's like, oh, what? I don't get paid for this? Um, So not everybody who, you know, was enlisted into any of the colony necessarily got what they Thought that they were going to get, because once you're on another planet, you know, people can kind of do whatever they want, uh, without much oversight, as long as there isn't any oversight at all, which there kind of hasn't been. So, yeah, it, it, it's workers from who've been taken there and family members who've just been born and raised there for decades now.
0: And they are being enslaved. And is the, is the Mars Some of
1: defense? Them. Some of them. That's, that's, a, that's right. a, I want to be clear about that. It's not everybody. It's, it's the colonies. There's five or six colonies. They all have a slightly different, uh, economic infrastructure that allows for either, uh, paid workers or in some cases, slave labor, it really depends on them.
0: And these rebellions economy. that are happening, these m- rebellions, are they being, uh, put down by the, 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 uh, the Mars Defense Force? I mean, I'm trying to understand who, who's wearing the white hats and the black hats or are they all just gradations of gray? Uh, are the, are the, the soldiers the infantry, the army on Mars, are they in support of the slave rebellion? Are they quelling the slave rebellion?
1: I have been told that the military's job to protect the perimeter um, or to engage at the perimeter is a priority over dealing with any internal squabbles that the colonies themselves are having. In fact, my understanding is that even the MCC and the ICA we are allowing uh, some of the this uprising to occur and some of the changes to occur in, in the sense that you have um, you know colonies that have divided now into multiple uh power structures, those revolting, those who are sort of represent their traditional power structure. And in some cases the workers who are in charge of factories that have quotas to meet Uh, have been able to meet those quotas and therefore gain some favor with the MCC and the ICC overall. So it's not so straightforward as to say, oh, if you're revolting, then, you know, the authorities are going to put you down because in some cases, the authorities understand that the colonies have been having many problems and, you know, in some cases just cracking the whip over your labor harder isn't necessarily a solution. So if uh, revolting parties can demonstrate that they're more than capable of managing uh, you know themselves and managing production of the facilities where they work in some cases the MCC and the c are perfectly happy to see those changes happen as long as the production quotas continue to be met with uh, at a minimal cost
0: you mentioned production quotas. What also, are they
1: producing? A lot of it's military hardware. A lot of it's that military hardware that we're testing out. But my understanding is that they also just do a lot of uh, manufacturing that becomes part of this intergalactic trade system. So a lot of the high technology stuff that we know how to replicate and build, we've actually got amazing factories that can produce high quality merchandise that it turns out other species don't necessarily – uh, make as efficiently or in some cases even as well and are perfectly happy to trade and or pay for the uh, goods that we produce. So a lot of it's military hardware, a lot of it's uh, high-level electronics, high technology, you know, the sort of uh, advanced breakaway civilization technology, ships, military hardware, computer technology, uh, medical technology, yeah, a lot of high-tech stuff.
0: The slaves, does this explain... A lot of the, the disappearances here on Earth, so-called alien abductions, uh, you know, people disappearing from, from national parks all over the world. Is, is that where they're going? Missing children? Is that where they're going to Mars?
1: There's a lot of answers to those questions, meaning, meaning there isn't just one answer to say that all those people that are disappearing are being put onto military ships or onto contractor ships and then taken to Mars to be, you know, put into labor service or something. Doesn't mean that that doesn't happen, and it does. It happens uh, quite a bit, I'm sure. But all of those things you mentioned aren't just unilaterally answered by saying people got abducted to go work on, you know, in the slave mines on Mars. Uh, there's an people do actually get abducted. Their abductions by extraterrestrials are few and farther in between than they were decades ago because of the net that we have, sort of keeping people out who don't have permission to be here. Uh, we kind of have done away with most of the treaties I understand that allow other species to abduct people off, off the surface of the Earth. We've kind of done away with that. So what was fairly prevalent in the 60s and 70s is no longer allowed.
0: All right, Captain Kramer, you stay put. We'll take a time. out, come back and uh, we'll take a few calls and continue to discuss uh, the Mars Defense Force, Project Moon Shadow, psionics, and much more. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away.
1: Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Captain
0: Randy Kramer stays with us, and we've opened up the phone lines. And before we go to uh, Gerald in Ohio, I wanted to ask you, Captain Kramer, about uh, Gary McKinnon, the uh, the Scottish uh, systems analyst who hacked the Pentagon uh, computers and... Uh, sort of blew the whistle on deep space uh, platforms and a secret space program and, and so forth. Um, how much of what he revealed was accurate and how much of what he revealed was, um, I guess w- was he being used as a psyop? Is that what, is, is what I'm asking?
1: Um the question has certainly come up whether or not Somebody wanted him to find that information and whether they were packaging it in such a way as you know for someone to who would hack in and and be able to find that information but there 's also some pretty interesting evidence from people who know Mr. McKinnon and his process that he was pretty much you know randomly uh, hacking these government systems at a time when very few people were able to do so had the intelligence to know what numbers to call because i mean a lot of these you know systems were hackable from outside phone lines if you happen to have the phone number that you could get you into the system that could get you on uh into the system through an outward phone line hard i would say that none of those systems (laughs) you know are accessible through just somebody calling up an outside phone number nowadays they're much tighter than that but at the time uh, that was possible. So there's certainly some question there, but I would say that the majority of the information that he had appears to be accurate or appears to have been accurate at that time.
0: Uh, continuing along in the sort of the disinfo uh, stream, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Tom DeLong and Robert Bigelow and, and Academy to the Stars and, and their efforts to bring about disclosure. Are they part of this uh, disinfo campaign are they are they on the same team what's happening
1: there uh i couldn't tell you exactly because i don't know you know where every source of money funding information intelligence or where every string that could be pulled is being pulled in those lines of communication but i would say that most parties working um as that sort of bridge between civilian and covert military intelligence, most of those people, I would say, have in some shape or form the interest of some kind of disclosure. Exactly what kind of disclosure, how, what, where, and when is all very questionable and different based on preferences of agendas but I'd say that the majority of those people want to see some kind of disclosure because again, they understand the basis of the model that it has to happen. If we don't do it sometime soon, we're going to be doing detrimental harm to society, civilization and the planet at large and society at large. And you know, most of those people simply understand that it has to happen. I'm not saying that they can't get monkey wrenched either from the inside by somebody uh, along the way. And I'm, uh, Tom DeLong, great guy as far as I understand, but they seem to be having some serious financial troubles at the moment that may have been orchestrated, may have been sort of, hey, we're going to give you some funding and then yank, well, now we're going to take it all away and kind of leaving everybody in the lurch and potentially uh, evaporating the entire organization over money shortfalls because somebody decided to stop their funding.
0: My concern is people are starting to get disclosure fatigue. You know what I mean? We, sure. we get teased, we get teased. and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, how do we counteract that?
1: Um, unfortunately, if you want to talk about like we as, you know, a civilian movement of the populace, a we the people, there's not much that we can do at the moment about it. It's going to happen one way or another. And how that happens is really not up to me and it's not up to you and it's not up to the pretty much the people listening in the audience here. Unfortunately, we wish it was a a more of a democratic choice where people really got a say in that. We truly do. We think that that would be the more ethically and moral correct thing to do. But the way it stands right now, there's a number of different ways in which some very powerful groups of people have been talking about how they want to roll through this and how they want to roll it out and whether they want to do it calm and peaceably or whether they want to have a hoax invasion and roll it out that way with a bad guy uh, alien and a good guy alien and then, you know, have that sort of worked out in a melodrama, um, you know, scenario in which we're all, you know, led by the nose to that process um, and exactly how that works out and exactly how that's going to happen is not a, for me to say or unfortunately for you or most of the general public to say it's going to happen one way or the other. I would say it's our best duty to be prepared for just what's going to happen when it happens. So I totally get that I'm, I mean, I have the same fatigue. Believe me, every time someone tells me, Oh, oh, you know, something's going to happen. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm waiting for it. And then, eh, you know, we pass a date and nothing happens. Like, all right. Well, that was just another either, uh, a flash of light that's a ruse or just something that didn't quite work out. Because a number, number of times throughout the last couple of decades, we've had situations where people really were about ready to try and make something happen. And then, ah, you know, something happened that caused a bunch of people to change their mind or enough key players to change their mind that they put the stop on it and said, no, no, let's actually change our mind and not do that right now. Let's, you know, process this for another couple of years. Let's go down this road for another couple of years and then see where we are. So it, it's an, an ever changing process. I'm as frustrated as anybody by that, believe me, because I know enough to know that it's an inevitability. And that inevitability means that sometime between now and the next decade, um, will ha- we'll, there will have to be some form of disclosure that we understand that there's extraterrestrial life and that we have some technology exchange from advanced species to our own. And whether that happens this week or 10 years from now or wherever it might happen in between is just questionable to a lot of factors. There's just a lot of factors that play in on one- when exactly and how exactly that's going to roll out. But it's an inevitability. There's just no way that we can continue to say there's no such thing as extraterrestrials, technologically advanced extraterrestrials visiting planet Earth, and there's no way that the military intelligence complex doesn't have information about it, and there's no way that we haven't made some progress with that. It's all going to depend on exactly how they want to tell that narrative, which could be any variation of, one hundred percent of the truth to five percent of the truth and ninety five percent falsehoods compared to what is actually going on, but it, it the inevitability of it happening within the next decade is going to happen that that much we can say for sure
0: don 't you think that the good news of the you know the technological advancements and psionics and cures for everything and regenerating limbs and and uh, and so forth is going to be tampered significantly by the news that all of the misery that's been perpetrated on planet Earth for centuries and centuries and centuries by the elites is being perpetrated again uh, in, in Mars, and we're going to, what, continue to spread that, that misery throughout the galaxy? Is that the future?
1: Well, let's hope not. Uh, and again, that's probably why the narrative is going to be controlled at first, and it's not going to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's going to be some version of a little bit of truth with a bunch of denials, you know, and, well, well we don't know anything about that. So I would expect that there, it's not going to be a clean break. It's not even going to be, you know, a clean uh, step over a line where there's this sort of, before disclosure, after disclosure, kind of a situation where it 's all the information at once, I think it 's going to be bits and pieces of information. but once the information starts to flow it 's going to be difficult to completely and totally control and, and stamp out the truth. so we think that once you just get your foot in the door as it as it were and we can start talking about you know that there is advanced extraterrestrial intelligence with technology that is visiting us. And we can get past that narrative and we can get past that conversation. then it allows for a lot of other conversations to occur. So we think that once you get that first couple of steps going, the rest of it will come fairly quickly and not nearly as quickly as most people are going to want or or be happy about. But as in terms of how long it's been dragging out for the past seven decades, You know, it'll seem fairly quickly.
0: Gerald is in Maxwell. Gerald, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Is that Maxwell, Ontario?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Hey, Gerald, welcome. How are you, Richard? Terrific, thank you. You have a question for Captain Kramer.
1: Yes, I do. I have watched Total Recall. Now, just about everything you've said tonight (laughs) tracks perfectly with that movie. Now, is Hollywood anywhere close to what you've experienced? Um, you know, storyline sometimes gets pretty close to the truth. Uh, you know, production value may is is where we're going to sometimes part ways on on what's truth or fiction. Oh, they um, have and I will. More money to spend than the American government. Yes, I can understand right. that.
0: All right, let's let Randy uh, respond. So just finish your thought on that, uh, uh, Randy.
1: Yeah, one of the interesting things about Total Recall is that, of course, you're referring to the first version of that movie that was done back in, I want to say, the early 90s, which was the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then there is a um, um, newer version of that film uh, with some different actors that has a completely different backdrop at the scenario. It doesn't take place on Mars. It takes place solely on planet Earth and it has way more to do with this uh, separation of, again, this sort of advanced part of the civilization, this very poor, you know, technologically decrepit part of the civilization. But the original story, which that's based on, is actually the second movie, not the first one. So the first one where they decided to put all this stuff about Mars into it, that's plausible deniability for a lot of people, where they knew that at some point they were going to start hearing uh, people who had been there who were gonna start having memory recall and were gonna have, start having total recall at some point. They even, that's even a term that we use to describe getting all of your memories back. That, that was gonna happen at some point. And so they wanted this plausible deniability so that they could say if, so it, at first with someone like myself, you know, spinning the story the way that I do, someone could say, oh dude, you've just seen total recall too many times because that's plausible to say something. Even, even though the original, again, the original story had nothing to do about that.
0: Sorry, go I ahead. Another, could I ask another question now? Yeah, Go yeah. ahead, Gerald. Sure. Yes. What you're saying Gerald? Yeah. is this technology is possible on Earth now. They can replace
1: our memories with something completely different than what we remember. This is what you're saying? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's a complicated technological process. It's not so simple as to just pick somebody up off the sidewalk and sit them in a chair, you know, with a hairdryer kind of device on top of it and completely change their memories. It's not that simple. It's a lot more convoluted if you want to really, really, really try and change what someone thinks actually happened, what their their actual memories are, what screen memories are. Uh, or holographic memories or even artificial neurons or things like that that they can use. There can be a really involved process if you're really trying to cover up some memories or trying to hide some actual memories. It's certainly not cost-effective to do that with every single person in the civilian population. It only really serves a purpose to use that with select personnel who have way more information in their head than they consider to be um you know, secure or safe to have those people walking around with that information, uh, readily available. So the false memories and screen memories are implanted in people who are, leave the service, who have tons of classified information in their mind that they don't want them, you know, leaking out or talking about, but it's not something that they can just go around and, you know, take an entire population in a metropolitan city and wipe or change everybody's memories or make them all think, you know, or believe that a certain thing occurred away a certain way. Uh, because that's just not technologically feasible. So it's something you can do to individuals specifically for specific reasons, but it's not the kind of technology you can wave, you know, uh, a technological wand of any kind and and do to a mass number of people across a metropolitan area or in a country or across a nation or a country.
0: Gerald, thank you for that. Frank is in Toronto. Frank, good morning. Welcome to uh, the Conspiracy Show.
1: Well, I got a uh, conflicting. Uh uh, information on Mars. Like, I, I want, like, I, I'd for first like to start off by saying, you know, I do believe that yeah, there was a, uh, a, po- a possible civilization there, because I've seen those, those NASA uh, photos of the, uh, of the pyramid in the face, right? And, right. but, uh, I've also heard that, uh, um, uh, xenon, the, the, the gas xenon is, is, is was found on Mars, which can only be produced uh, through a thermonuclear, uh, uh explosion. So excellent it
0: was, point that,
1: was, yeah. was, was, was completely obliterated and, and and now you're telling us
0: if it's true I mean like I, I don't know but but you're saying you know that there the species living there well there's no ecosystem Well, what are they breathing and what
1: are they eating nothing grows right there's no there's no
0: atmosphere there there's no food ah nothing. well wait till you hear this wait till you hear this uh, captain you want to fill them in on the forests growing on Mars
1: and how are you getting there by the way?
0: Okay, let's, one thing at a time. What about, um, well, NASA's revealed that there is water on Mars, but you've gone one step further. You're saying that photographs sh- clearly show there are trees growing on Mars, which has me up a tree because, uh, like like Frank, I, I, I thought there was no atmosphere on Mars. Are you with us, Randy? Did we lose Randy. I think we did. All right, we'll uh, we'll get Randy back. Let's uh, let's go into a break. We'll come back in a moment and pick this up on the other side with Captain Randy Kramer, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
1: The truth will set you free, but first it will really tick you off. You're listening to the Conspiracy
0: Show with Richard Sarret. Welcome back. Captain Randy Kramer is with us. Uh, Randy, just before the break, Frank was uh, on uh, from Toronto asking, I believe it was Frank, asking about, well, he's kind of uh, perplexed because on the one hand, we hear there is no atmosphere on Mars and yet uh, uh, there are indigenous species of extraterrestrials and, and uh, a population, perhaps uh, 10 million uh, humans living on the surface. Uh, and, and then on your website, and we can direct people, uh, to, uh, the website, which is earthcitizenconsulting.org, you have pictures, NASA pictures of what appear to be trees growing on Mars. So, uh, what's going on exactly?
1: Yeah, no, those are Jet Propulsion Lab, uh, satellite, uh, infrared satellite photos of fairly recent, uh, satellite passes, uh, imagery, which, uh, are true and accurate. Uh, I I will even go back as far as uh, the Viking craft that we actually have one one of the scientists who put one of the experiments on the Viking craft uh, that says his experiment absolutely showed uh, the presence of microorganisms. And which demonstrates that there's oxygen, carbon dioxide on the planet, there's livable atmosphere there. Not too long ago, NASA actually made this very back page admission that they had uh, used spectrometry to see that there was, in fact, oxygen, carbon dioxide, and water in the atmosphere. And the director of NASA at that time was quoted in that uh, press release as saying, we may have to accept that there is livable atmosphere on Mars right now. That is a quote from the director of NASA. So they have changed the narrative. Uh even when they knew from the Viking lander that there was a scientific testing showing that there was atmosphere, they decided to go with the test that because of the variance in PPMs that were necessary to prove one way or the other, you had certain, you had to cut one test that was like, nope, this test says no, well this test says yes because of the PPM requirements for uh, the number of gas particles that had to be found before the test was considered a positive. So they went with the negative test because they didn't necessarily want to tell people the truth, but one of the scientists, uh, from the Viking Project has gone out publicly and, uh, tried to talk, uh, for years about the test that he ran and how it showed that there were gaseous expansions, uh, sorry, expulsions from microorganisms showing that there was some form of atmosphere there. Uh, and then, over time, you know we 've been told again there 's no, no no there 's nothing there, but eh, yeah, then they say, well, yeah, maybe there 's running water okay there 's running water, okay, maybe there 's livable atmosphere we 're finding water and gases in the atmosphere, and oh, maybe there 's a lake underground somewhere, so they 've continued to change that narrative over time, and they will con- and they will continue to do so, but there 's absolutely livable atmosphere there, uh, plant depending on where you are in the e- uh, towards the equator or farther north or south. You know, there's, uh, small trees to big trees, small organic life to large organic life. It's a, it's a fairly thriving planet, uh, to be honest with you. It's, it's a big desert for the most part, but it's thriving actually.
0: And, and, uh, his other question was, how are, I mean, we're talking about 10 million inhabitants. Uh, some of whom were born on the red planet, others were not. I'm not sure what the percentages right. are, but, but how are they getting there? I mean, these would, these would have to be massive, uh, ships. W- where are they taking off from? Tierra del Fuego? Where?
1: We took a smaller ship, a TR-3B, which is a black triangle shaped vehicle and can, depending on the size of the ship, can hold 30 to 50 people. Um, but we took a TR-3B from Earth to the moon, to Luna operations command, which is on the backside of the moon, Luna operations command. We boarded a transport ship. I'm going to guess based on just the number of seats with, that were on the floor that I was on, that could have been four or 5,000 people and the entire thing. And then that ship took a jump gate, uh, from lunar orbit to Mars orbit in a very short period of time. Uh, my, my, Friend and colleague, uh, Andy Bishago, was part of the Jump Room programs though, when he was younger. So they also do have what he calls Tesla teleportation, which is essentially a localized wormhole that's generated in front of you and like, a you know, like a Stargate from the TV show. But except they're not round and it doesn't look like a big a bunch of water comes out of it. That's all, you know, window dressing. But it's essentially the same thing. It's a wormhole generator, and it enables you to walk through a portal and appear on the other side. And so depending on what level of security clearance you're dealing with will depend on whether you have access to jump gate technology, transport technology, uh, or you have to get there by ship that goes through a wormhole, goes through a, a jump gate in itself. So there's a number of different ways you, that you can get there. And it's fairly efficient and fairly quick. My understanding is it's a, it's a number of seconds to get from Earth to Mars via jump gate.
0: So there are essentially, uh, for lack of a better word, you probably won't like this term as well, but there are uh stargates here on Earth that people can just walk through and end up on the other side on Mars.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's correct. Okay. All right, let's go
0: to Dan in Hamilton. Dan, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You're on with Captain Randy Kramer. Go ahead. Yeah, hello. Hi there.
1: My thoughts uh, are like, okay, so if all this is going on and the governments are... Or- Thing, and there's all these different planes or dimensions and wormholes that the US government has sent a plane after to find out where the ship went now what's to say that some of these ships aren't was uh, there's abductions going on in that that when they abduct people are they doing a brain thing or something reading their thoughts and seeing it's worth abducting them um, and and do they have some of the people down here like uh, with bigger ears and stuff like that that not all humans are able to see, like I can see certain things. I have.
0: I All right, have. let me see if we can sort of clarify some of those questions. So the abduction phenomenon, you're saying earlier, Randy, that there isn't as much of that going on because we've cast kind of a protective net over the Earth and we've sort of severed some of those agreements, those treaties with ETs that allowed for that sort of thing to go on. Uh, but is there still some abductions going on are there some ets that have maybe penetrated that defense system and are still abducting humans
1: i would say that's a fairly rare occurrence where it's extraterrestrials these days but you know there are military programs which continue to abduct people while pretending to be extraterrestrials that's a whole nother program of um trying to sort of let's just call it muddy the waters of people who are having quote-unquote abduction experiences and by having these um, completely theatrical kind of experiences where it's military personnel who are either disguised as using holographic projectors. Uh, in some cases, we may actually have some actual extraterrestrials who are helping us with the process to sort of play the part of the you know, A being in that scenario. Uh, so that does happen from time to time. But most of the abductions are probably just Military in purpose and depending on which department which rogue agency is deciding what personnel they need or for what can depend on what that's for, so it's one of the reasons why we think that we need to have a lot of oversight in this because as long as there <laughs> no isn't kidding. oversight then yeah then you have programs that can just say uh, we need some test subjects let's go find some or right. we need some you know we need some biochemists let's go find some and then Got to just, cut in you know, here randy we're
0: going to go we're going to go to, go to another break we'll come back and pick up on that one final segment remains with captain randy kramer right here on the conspiracy show
1: when in doubt blame the government you're listening to the conspiracy show with richard Sarrett from zoomer radio
0: all right, well, welcome back. A few moments remain with Captain Randy Kramer. Um, let's talk a, just a little bit. I, I want to um, help promote the uh, the conference that's coming up in Albuquerque, October twenty fifth to the twenty eighth. Uh, what will be what will be discussed during your presentation? Oh dear, I, have we lost Randy yet again? Yeah. Oh, I hear him in the background, Randy. Okay. Can you
1: hear me now? There we
0: go. There you are. You All right. Hey, yes. Hey, here I am. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the, Albuquerque, uh, the conference in Albuquerque.
1: I've been teaching a class on uh, the laws of psionics, uh, psionic self-defense and military psionic protocols. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that and um, probably sharing a little bit about the general aspects of my story since some people will not have necessarily heard that part uh have a book that will be coming out very, 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 very shortly. So I will certainly spend a little bit of time uh talking about that. And as what I usually do uh with folks too is I, I like to give people an opportunity to ask me questions uh, live and in person uh since people always have questions. So whatever time I don't fill up talking about stuff that is um on the docket for me to talk about we'll just spend the rest of the time talking to people about whatever they want to chat about
0: you mentioned andrew andrew bachego i've i've met andrew several times and and interviewed him on the radio on my tv show etc everything he's told us about project pegasus time travel teleportation all
1: true as far as you're concerned oh yeah absolutely every word of it as far as i understand
0: so we, we haven't talked about time travel, and we only have a few minutes, and I'll have, certainly we'll have you back on to delve further into this. Uh, were you ad, at all involved in, in Pegasus?
1: Not Project Pegasus per se, but other programs do get to use time travel technology. So when we were in training programs when I was a kid, it was not uncommon to go away for days at a time and then get returned, you know, quote-unquote, 15 minutes after you left, so that it doesn't appear to anybody in the household that you've been anywhere. Um, my tour of duty, which was a 20-year tour of duty, essentially is the same kind of thing, where you know I was taken away at 2:30 a.m. to go off for my 20-year tour, and then was brought back at 2:45 a.m., you know, 15 minutes after I left. So, it, in order, so uh, it appears as if it never happened to everybody around you. And for me personally, it was like waking up from a dream that had been going on for months and months and months and months. I mean, really, I woke up in my bed going, whoa, I just had the longest dream that went on for months and months and months and months. And then as it started to fade out of my head and I got up and looked in the mirror and I was 20 years younger or the same age that I was when I went to bed the night before, quote unquote. Again, it all gets very weird at that point. Uh, your brain just suppresses, uh, goes with the memory suppression at that point and you just accept that you know oh i just had a really long dream i really just woke up here i am again and you just kind of start that part of your life over again but not thinking that you're in military service but having visceral emotional uh visual kinds of memory connectors and images still left really really viscerally strong within your cerebral cortex that you have to deal with, but not the linear context for it at all. So it becomes a chaotic kind of experience to put it all back together after that. But, yeah, trace amounts of time travel can get used uh, all over the place.
0: What is your status now? Are you still back and forth to the Red Planet? Are you still involved with the, the, the Mars Defense Oh, no, Defense my
1: Force? is here. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not a contractor with the MDF anymore. I am an officer with the United States Marine Corps Special Section. I serve as the de facto spokesperson uh, PR officer for the command staff of the United States Marine Corps Special Section, and I function as an independent field commander, which uh, gives me some authority and security clearance to do certain things, which at this point is the public relations work, uh, some research and development into advanced technology, and some criminal investigation.
0: Now, if the Marine Corps Special Section they've dispatched you to, to start the disclosure process. I mean why don't they get behind this in a little more serious way? I mean you're one person and you know we're not likely to see you uh on nightline with Ted Koppel or uh Sean not Hannity yet. on on Fox News and so <laughs> forth. But, yeah, but not when yet. are they not yet. Um, but I mean and, and if we were to go and we were to contact the, you know, the Marine Corps Special Section, I mean, I'm, I'm, gu- I'm guessing what, they would deny, they would deny.
1: Oh, uh, you can, I mean, you're more than welcome to call up the CMC's office. I tell anyone who, uh, anyone who thinks that I'm committing fraud and impersonating an officer can always call the CMC's office and report me if they want to. But if you wanted to call them and ask them questions, uh, one of a couple of things would happen. And I, I've known people who have made this phone call, so I can tell you this from their experience. Uh, you'll get put on hold. You might get transferred to a few different people. You might get asked a bunch of invasive questions that might make you think that you're being interrogated and you might want to hang up the phone, which has happened to someone I know who made that call. Uh, but otherwise, uh, special section is an unacknowledged special access program. So you can start asking all the questions you want about United States Spring Corps special section and you're not going to get any kind of an official admission by anyone that you're going to get on the phone there. But Again, if I were a liar and I were committing fraud, I were impersonating an officer, I were not telling the truth, they'd be very interested in that. They'd be very interested in talking to me about that. They'd be very interested in telling me, hey, you're not telling the truth. You're making stuff up. You need to stop that right now. Impersonating an officer is a felony. And not just a little kind of slap on the wrist felony, but a pound in rocks and leavenworth kind of a felony. Right, um, right. So, yeah, so I make that very clear to anybody who, who doesn't understand the, the legal jeopardy that I would be in if I were committing fraud. Uh, and so they're not interested in talking to me uh, because if they were, they would. If they were interested in telling me to stop and cease and desist, they would. Uh, but they also, you know, don't go around deliberately. Um, admitting or denying. So they kind of do that whole, uh, from one conversation I know someone that had, got on the phone and got their run around with, a, you know, kept getting on the different phone with a different officer or someone else, so they'd have to try and explain what they wanted to know. They'd say, look into that, and me get back to you. Uh, and they kind of play that, neither confirm nor deny business. So they don't necessarily say, oh yeah, he's one of ours, but they don't necessarily go, what? That crazy guy? We don't know anything about that. So they kind of just play the, you know, what? We don't know anything about that special section. Oh, there's nothing. There's no, there's no branch called special section. I mean, they'll just say all that kind of stuff that right, they have right. to say because that's the legal protocol for dealing with unacknowledged special access programs. But yeah, you're welcome to give them a call if you want to, but you're not going to get much there. But
0: right. Um, no, I anticipated I, one of the callers was going to ask this according to the notes on my screen, but I guess didn't get around to it. And that is, have you brought anything back from Mars?
1: Well, I would have uh, loved have- to have been able to bring something back, but no, <laughs> no, it wasn't allowed to bring anything back. No camera, no photographs, no cassette tapes with audio recordings, no, no nothing. It's, it's a clean process, meaning, you know, I have to turn in all my uniforms, all my equipment when I leave and I have to come back through a screening process. That's a medical screening process. So even if I had managed to find some, you know, a rock or an artifact or a, something that I could I could show as proof and managed it, you know, to cram it up my butt. You know, they would have found it and pulled it out and I still wouldn't have been able to bring it back. So um, it's a clean process. It's a clean process. <laughs>
0: right. It really does sound like we are living on a prison planet here and only allowed to survive uh, at the, at the good grace of, you know, these elite overlords, this breakaway civilization. Uh, and uh, as you say, in, in in some of the outposts on Mars, they are s- enslaving humans. Why should we trust them with anything? I mean, and why should you trust them? Maybe maybe you're being used. How do we know? You know, you haven't had memories implanted, and it's some sort of a psychological screen or or something. You know what I'm saying? These are nefarious
1: people. That's a perfectly fair question. And, and unfortunately, the complicated answer is complicated, which is there is no them in the sense that there's one group of people, one organization, one military organization, one financial organization, one covert breakaway civilization organization that's in charge of everything, that gets to make the call on everything, that dictates and decides how everything is rolling out. There are a lot of actors uh, in the scene. And there's a lot of people in military intelligence personnel, there are state actors, uh, elected leaders of executive branches, legislative branches, military liaisons, technological personnel, industrial technology personnel, corporate personnel. You have a lot of people who really come together to make up this large lump of covert military space program activities and there just isn't one them. Uh, and and it's been over a process of 70 years that a lot of this has occurred. So you have different people running programs than you did 50 years ago. You know, you have different people in charge of programs than you had 30 years ago. So it's just not the same group of people doing the same thing decade after decade after decade after decade. It's an evolving process. And it's people who are evolving that process as well. So, again, I would go back to the part that we understand that there's an inevitability and a necessity for this. And most of the people that we've communicated with under the umbrella of the various covert military space program activities agree with that some of them still don't some of them still think that it's not the best thing to do at this time they want to drag their feet about it but most everyone agrees it just has to happen sometime soon so uh, but i can understand i can understand people being skeptical and have a hard time trusting but it's going to happen one way or another anyway so enjoy the show uh, as it occurs
0: (laughs) captain kramer great meeting you we have to have you on again we barely scratched the surface thank you so much and uh thanks for
1: having me anytime
0: my, my pleasure And, uh, we'll direct people to the website, earthcitizenconsulting.org. And, of course, the Stargate Cosmic Expo, October 25th to the 28th in Albuquerque. All right. Thanks to Ian, Ryan. And, uh, back next week with a brand new show. Don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite. I'm coming home or at least upstairs. So long for now. Good night.